Hello and welcome to a Taylor's Tales podcast. This is Chris's Corner. I'm your host, Chris Taylor, and welcome back to a brand new episode. This week, I'm talking about, yes, it is the Brighton Marathon. I ran it in three hours and 27 minutes, sub 3.30, a lifetime PR, a eight years of hard work put into this singular moment, this singular race. And it was always going to be a race for me internally, me against me, fighting against the person I used to be, the person who was the asthmatic, the person who was known for being on crutches for most of, <laughs> on and off throughout most of primary school, getting injured, um, being on the sidelines for football and uh, just not being an active person growing up or being good at it for that matter. And now I've done exactly what I wanted to do, which was to run a sub 330 marathon. If I'm honest, there's no way of being able to sum up the elation, the pride I have for myself, the just joy of getting over that line, that 26.2 mile line where you realize not only have you done it, you've done it in a time that very few people have done it in. I think the populace, the amount of people who've run a marathon based off statistics from like 2019, so it's going to be more than that based off now, it's 5% of the population, total population of the earth. And then if you go down into that 5%, around a total of 19% have run a sub 330. So for me, it you get in, even smaller into that percentage of, in my eyes, greatness. And I'm going to be talking a little bit of how I did it, why it means so much to me, and how you can do it too with training. I don't think it's going to take you eight years like it took me. For me personally, I failed uh, running a sub 330 marathon four times before I got it on the fifth. I fail and fail and fail and fail and fail over and over again, knowing that it's going to build my mental strength, but also knowing that I will eventually succeed. And for a lot of people, that's not okay. For a lot of people, they want to succeed on the first try, or they aren't happy with the loss. Everyone wants to just be a winner all the time. But the truth is, is that you have to fail to be able to succeed. And it's the ability to take it on the chin and just keep moving forward. Because if you aren't willing to do that failure first, then you clearly don't care that much about it. For me personally, I like this podcast as a good way. Fail each episode over and over again. I will do this for eight to 10 years before I give up. Because like the marathon, this is a long journey. It is not a sprint. It is a constant grind, grind, grind until you get to what you want to accomplish. Because for me, running a sub 330 is fantastic and it's exactly what I want and I'm going to push myself further and I want to do Ironmans and I want to run the the um, London Marathon, the Berlin Marathon, the New York Marathon. Those are my lifetime goals. I'm going to do those things and I'll eventually do them and I don't care if I have to fail over and over and over again before I get to them, but I will eventually get to them. And I think that's why I was so proud of myself at the end of the race. It wasn't because I ran it in I was running fast, it wasn't because I was beating loads of people, it wasn't because I was the best at what I was doing, it's because the previous person I used to be just wouldn't have been able to do this. And on top of that, knowing the the, the prepare, pre, the me being prepared, having that ability to eat the amount of food I was, have the correct nutrition, 
stretch, be in great conditioning for the race, have enough muscle mass on my body to be able to take the pounding. Oh! Ew! Dude! What the fuck? That's gonna be on like your legs going against the pavement over and over and over again one after another is a shockwave through your body and having muscle to be able to take it on is definitely i think a pro a lot of the most successful runners they're skeletons there's nothing of them they are fantastic at what they do but i would never want to be like that personally i think that if you want to be the best runner in the world yes you're going to be that way but for me personally the balance between weightlifting and running has to be that perfect middle and for me, I just, I can't see it any other way. Knowing that you can lift the weights in the gym and then also run a relatively good speed for a marathon at the same time. There's nothing, nothing more exciting in my eyes knowing that. And then I want to incorporate swimming as well and cycling and being able to be good at the other things as well. You know, you could say that I, I'm not someone who can focus in on one thing, but life's too short for that personally. I'm interested in multiple things. I've never just zoned in on one thing. You know, a lot of people dedicate their lives to just one thing. That's great. That they're, they're the best in the world. Like Michael Jordan, you know, the Usain Bolt, all of these guys, they dedicate. But as soon as they're done, that's it. That's why I respect Kobe Bryant a little bit. Because a little bit, a lot, I should say. He had the ability to do basketball for his entire life, and then afterwards he wasn't done. He saw filmmaking, he saw writing, he saw um, writing like books, everything, being part of that industry and getting into something else. A lot of athletes just do the one thing and then that's it, they retire and it's all over for them, or become commentators, whatever. It's just like, is that all? Is that all? Yes, that is all. And that's why I love multiple things. I love the, the moving from a marathon to now into an Ironman or to a triathlon. It just, there's something about taking that next step, adding new things, challenging yourself, never letting yourself get comfortable. That's, and I do the same thing with jobs. I do. I won't allow myself to just stick it out in one area, no matter how comfortable, no, ha no matter how you know much fun I have in one area. I've got to keep moving. Got to keep moving forward. Otherwise, you stagnate, and then that's it. And then you allow yourself to become weaker, in my opinion. And that's just that's just a statement. But if you want to be able to rub these sub three. 30 marathons. I actually believe incorporating weight training in there has actually made me a faster athlete, has allowed me to recover faster, and I don't get injured anymore. Stretching, weightlifting, your muscle mass being there for you as well. Yes, you're heavier, so you have to but it also helps with your cardiovascular because you you're breathing in more, you have a more focus on your heart rate for instance. I was making sure throughout the entire race, I was doing double breathing through my nose, so I was just just two breaths in a row, then an out breath to be able to incorporate a lower heart rate. I think the maximum I allowed my heart rate to get to was 175, 
that is a high heart rate in my opinion very high heart rate and that wasn't until like right at the end of the race where i basically sprint <laughs> sprinted the last mile uh, and to me, that's probably, you know, don't don't sprint the last mile. You're not like me. I've just practiced that to be able to incorporate some energy right at the end of my races. So what I do is I, um, for instance, I'll be running a 840, for instance, really slowly in miles 22 to 24. And I've built up enough of a time, uh, basically <laughs> a time hoard uh, between miles 1 to 22. And that allows me that rest period between miles 22 to 25, 24 around that area. And then I can just sprint it out. You know, those three minutes, those three minutes mean a lot to me because I know for a fact that if I had followed the pacemakers, for instance, in the Brighton Marathon for the 330, I might not have hit the sub 330. I may have got three, you know, 331 or 332 and that would have bothered me. That would have really got me. And I don't know about you, but for me personally, knowing that you achieved your goal, the goal that you set for yourself, the one at the back of your mind where you're thinking to yourself, yeah, I want that. I want it. And knowing that you've achieved it, it means a lot. Maybe you don't relate. Maybe you're not. You're like, Chris, what are you talking about? You've done something incredible and you're saying to me, like, I can do it too. Yes, you can. It's very simple. It's like, I'm an asthmatic or what the doctors clarify as an asthmatic, or used to be an asthmatic, the way you want to do it. So if I can do it, in my opinion, you can do it too. I don't matter, you know, look at David Goggins. He has like a, like a hundred, eight different, you know, sort of, he grew up with so many different issues, you know, sickle cell trait, asthma, uh, weak bones, you know, uh, unable to swim. There's so many things that he had, right? And he's proven the world that that means nothing. It really doesn't. You are limiting yourself. And I think that's what I was doing all of my... I allowed other people's opinion to be something that I really listened to. And I should have been listening into my inner voice and telling myself, yes, keep moving, keep training, keep moving forward. Don't listen to anyone around you. Because I know for a fact that my family and friends did not believe I could do what I was doing. I don't care what they say now because I've proven I can do it. But along the journey of the past eight years, there were some doubters, definitely, 100%, some definite doubters. And they won't ever admit it now, but they know for a fact deep down that they were thinking to themselves that he, he, can, he can't do this. There's no way. And now, well, it's undeniable. <laughs> uh, for those watching, let me, let me grab the old medal on camera for those listening. Um, I don't know how to maybe... Yep, there you go. A little bit, a little bit of a sound for the Brighton Marathon medal there. My um, in the background of the video as well. I've also got my finishers T-shirt there, the bright yellow marathon uh, T-shirt that I probably won't wear. I'll probably just have it as a nice decoration in the podcast room now. So I feel like that's that's really nice to have in the background to remind me that I am capable of things that not everyone is capable of. So let's get into some of the details, the dirty details. I feel like I've ranted on a little bit about my mindset towards the marathon, but how did I prepare for it? Well, number one, I know that those of you who've listened to the podcast before know I have a very sweet tooth, and so it was excellent to know that carbohydrates were the essential 
to preparing for this marathon. I made sure the day before that I got all my proteins. I actually even got a chest and back workout in before I went into the marathon. Not a heavy one, quite a light one, but nonetheless it was done in the morning so that I had maximum recovery for the next day. I then made sure that I ate enough protein for that day and then when it got to the evening, I focused in on carbohydrates. I got a good tub of pick a mix and watched John Wick 4 before, <laughs> the night before and I made sure I got nine hours of sleep as well. And that, those two, I think that's really important to point out, eating a good three or four meals in the evening, one of which is super high in carbohydrates, sugary, that's gonna get into your blood system. And then the next morning coming up from a nine hours of sleep is gonna mean your body is just primed. And I felt great. I was super nervous, by the way, for those who are wondering. I didn't, I wasn't going in with like overconfidence. I just knew that I was gonna have a high heart rate of around 111 for a lot of the morning, just out of pure nerves. I wasn't sweating, thank goodness, because that would have been secreting the salt that I needed. But I did, uh, I did feel nervous for it in the morning. Uh, and the coffee that I did have probably wouldn't have helped because it was increasing my heart rate and the anxiety, but it felt all right. So I had two cups of coffee. I had one Lucasade in the morning, and I also had a full bottle of water, around a, a liter of water as well, uh, which was around, I want to say around seven o'clock in the morning seven o'clock in the morning the race is at 9 45 i had to get there for nine so that i could be in the race and get there and be prepared and i would make sure that i also i had one uh apricot uh pa pastry what would you call it an almond croissant uh apricot pastry i know Keep, hear, hear me out hear me out and then i also had two bananas i had a pot of golden syrup oats, you know, the standard pots that you get. And I also had uh, a couple of fruit pastels. I'm trying to think if there, if there was anything else along there. It was around 1,200 calories of majority, 200 grams of carbs, basically, like just a good amount of carbs. And then like, there was like zero protein and it was like 22 grams of protein for the entire thing. Uh, which is probably a good thing. Minimize the fat, minimize the uh, protein. I only needed to go to the number two once before the race, which is excellent. I did have to go uh, in the toilet again at mile 20, but I was in there, out there. It probably took a, around four, four minutes max I lost off the entire race. So I was really pleased with knowing that I only had to go to the toilet once in the entire 26 miles and I didn't walk I was running the entire time yes I was moving slow at some of the ends but that was really anyway back to the preparation actually you know what I'm going to go to race day on my fitness pal because I did record it just for future reference because uh, oh I missed out the minerals I had I made sure I got two multivitamin minerals. I then also had two electrolyte vitamins as well, which contain salt, magnesium, potassium, and I think I'm missing one other as well. You know, it had all of the, the electrolytes I needed for the race. I also got around five electrolyte pills and put them in my pocket for the race to eat throughout the race. I also had around six uh, <laughs> sweets to have in my pocket as well to make sure that I was 
having a little bit of a hit of sugar every now and then, as well as the race provided, um, what, what they called, like gels. They provide you with, it was delicious gel, by the way. Really, really good gel. Like, a, a, I think it's like an orange mango gel that they gave, just pure carbs, which was fantastic. Uh, let's go back. So it was last Sunday, Sunday the April the second. Let's have a look. I think it's all recorded here. Do do do. Multivitamin pride. Ah, yeah. I had a couple of. I had salt and vinegar rice cakes. Uh, I had. Oh yeah. It's, it's saying I had two Lucozades here. So I had two Lucozades. Uh, multivitamins, two scoops of Pride EHP lab, Labs uh, pre-workout, uh, two electrolyte pills, two bananas, uh, a big pot of golden syrup oats, so simple, and one almond and apricot pastry. There you go, all in there, 1,200 calories of carbohydrates with uh, five or six fruit pastels in my pocket ready to rock and roll when I go into the race. This... I think was the real important thing to say here, nutrition and also hydration. Hydration, hydration, hydration. Very, very, very dehydrated today, more than usual. I don't know everyone takes the piss, but I'm just constantly dehydrated. Limiting factor really, and I'm limited by how hydrated I am. Very, very, very dehydrated. Today I had a very hard weekend, very, very, very dehydrated. So I went to the number one, three times pre-race. I went five minutes before the race started as well, where the Brighton Marathon, which is set up by the London Marathon, put these um, portable urinals in a couple of different places before the like the actual physical line of the race, which is fantastic. There are, I want to say as well, the organizers of the Brighton Marathon should be super proud of themselves. They were incredible. Like the setup was perfect everything you could possibly think of energy drinks water um sweets like anything that you can need in a race was all provided at miles like 14 17 21 22 even before that as well like mile eight as well fantastic uh set up brilliant course as well yes it was a little bit hilly from time to time but i have to say uh i've prepared in the hardest training background there's ever been in uh, the border of Wiltshire, Dorset and Devon where my parents are from and where they live at the moment and it is the hardest course because of the elevation so I think my training for the past couple of years has truly increased my ability to handle high elevation for long periods of time as well and strengthen my knees because of it so there's there's a nice little tip if you train in higher uh, tougher scenarios then when it comes down to going to race day where it's a little bit flatter you're going to find it a little bit easier than the other people around you who are going to be kind of slumming down at those hilly points and they weren't really hilly i think it was a maximum of 40 meters increase for elevation according to the map but who knows so preparation food nutrition one thing i do want to say about the hydration as well i carried a lucozade sport in my left hand for around half of the marathon making sure that i took little sips every couple of i think it was like every four miles so i just took a sip every now and then just to keep my sip my body going and lucozade has sodium in it as well as sugar so it's keeping me 
hydrated as well as later on in the race having gels having the salt tablets having the electrolytes and the fruit pastels as well so all of these combination of th things so even when i got to mile 24 when my body felt i could start to feel the, the suffering a little bit and when i couldn't see the end of the finish line i wasn't sure whether where the race route was going it wasn't exactly the best from mile 23 to mile 25 that was the worst part of the race for me personally because it it messed with my head there was no you know you couldn't see the ocean so there was nothing beautiful to see it was kind of in an estate area you you went past some warehouses and you you know you, you saw people around you but there was like a full mile where you didn't see anyone and it was just in this tough area and you could see everybody around you was suffering really badly like they were trudging along just trying to get to the end of the race and they were warriors i can tell you that if you're getting to that part of the race and you're just getting to the end that mentality of just keep going just keep going get to the next mile get to the next mile that is all that's going through your head you're breathing in you're trying to keep your heart rate lower than 160 for me for instance trying to keep it below trying to keep going and then when you get to mile 25 for me personally I could see where the finish line was going to be. I could see the mile ahead. I was like, I am going to increase my speed right now. And I shouted out, Bankai! Bankai. 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 And I was like, you know, you don't even realize what you're doing. You're just rearing forward and you're just trying to speed as much as you can. And I think my pace went all the way into like a 7.30. Uh, and, I, and then I got to the last push of the finish line. Nearly felt the back of my hamstrings go. Like I could feel them twinging. For those who are runners who've really pushed themselves to the edge... Or if you're not, be very wary of this. You can, If you start to feel certain muscles, like ping, it's not painful, but you can feel it, like it's a spasm at the back of your leg, your legs are about to give way. So be very careful what you do. What I do is I make sure that I start running on my toes a little bit. From the majority of the race, I'm running on my toes anyway. But when you start to get really tired, you start running on your heels, and that's when you start utilizing those glute fibers and the hamstrings, and that's... A bad thing because it will start to, if those give way that's it your race is done and i saw it happen to people who clearly didn't have the salt provided to stop getting any sort of irritation with the muscles uh, i also saw people just were not able to continue just had to stop and that is demoralizing so big tip there is make sure number one try and run on your toes when you're running but also number two make sure that you're taking in that salt make sure you're taking in the fluids because that's going to prolong your ability to run uh, for those muscles and stop them from in my case back when i did uh, a attempt marathon attempt on miles 24 my legs gave out and i had to walk until i got to mile 25 to be specific mile 24.86 and i have to say it is one of the most yeah, I, I think the word demoralizing is the only way to describe it. There's no there's no way to to truly express the that you've just done 24 miles fantastic and in those last two your legs have just given out. And I've I saw it at the race. 
and I'm so pleased that I prepared for this race physically, mentally, and with nutrition and hydration to be able to make sure that that didn't happen to me. But I could feel mile 25, that just before the, the finish line, I felt that twinge and I was like, ooh, ooh, slow down a little bit, let's uh, let's just get over the line and then <laughs> we'll start celebrating. And I saw that I was sub 3.30, so I wasn't too, too worried. Uh, I knew that I could get below that and I did. I think my net time is actually three hours and 24 minutes, but I'm just looking at the overall race of the, the race pace, which says, three hours and 27 minutes well three hours and 26 minutes and 45 seconds to be exact but i'm just rounding it up anyway just because it's nice so the mentality as well you've got to i can i can physically see the people you know you i want to shout at them i want to say keep going you've got this but you've also got to focus in on your own race there are going to be moments where you're going to be feeling great you're going to have that runner's high, I would say, in those moments. Take those moments to rehydrate and take in salt and take in sugar because it's not going to be the moments of bliss that are going to be the ones you're focusing on. It's going to be the ones where you are suffering. And if you can prepare by taking in when you're feeling good, it's going to make the feeling bad a lot less bad. <laughs> if that can grammatically make sense, I hope it did. So you also have to have in the, men the mentality is like, I'm going to do this. And I'm going to... I Also, one, one of the great things about the Brighton Marathon setup is that they had paces. And I could physically see the 3.30 pace. I made sure that I was in front of them by a good mile so that I created that time. So I was running a 7.40 for around 20 miles of this race. So a 7.40, and I created a good amount of time for me to rely on, a good five to seven minute increase so that I could rely on that when it got to mile 24, when I had to slow down, when my body was starting to take a toll. And I went all the way down to like an 8.40 pace. And that was fine because I knew in my mind I'd prepared for this. I knew what each mile was going to suffer. I'd already got in my head before the race started. Mile 17, mile 21 and mile 24 were going to be the ones where I could potentially hit the wall. And I was ready for them. Each time I got to mile 16, for instance, I took on salt. I took on sugar. I had some water. I then went into mile 17 knowing that I'd just done what I'd need to prepare it for it. And I didn't struggle. The same for mile 23, same for mile 24 and for right at the end it was fine uh, and mile 21 was surprising mile 21 i felt great so it was it was a bit of a i was kind of worrying a little bit i thought that that would have been the bit i mean i went to the loo before it that's probably why i felt great afterwards i just relieved relieved myself so that was fantastic but uh, i think maybe there was something to do with the fact that um yeah, just going to the loo and then feeling that I'd, I'd taken on salt, I'd, I'd had some food. Uh, I think I had an energy drink as well, just like a m minute before. And those high five energy drinks, I must get some for myself. Shout out to them. My God, fantastic um, nutrition provided by the Brighton Marathon team. I would also like to say as well, for, for those who are beginner runners, if you've got all the way to this in the podcast, you maybe you are interested in running anyway, so that's that's great. If you ever think I could potentially run a marathon, please do. It is the most, it makes me believe in humanity. It makes me believe the joys and the greatness of human beings because there is not a negative face in anywhere 
in these races. The people supporting you, the, the teams that are out there, the amazing families who, even if you are not one of their own, will clap for you and provide you with support. That is the epitome of why I believe in good people and why the 90% rule applies here, where 90% of people are good and there's only a 10% variant. These events make you feel amazing. They make you feel superhuman, in my opinion. And the support and the people around you and all the posters and the power-up buttons that you see throughout the marathons, its it just makes me feel that I'm going to do it again. And I'll probably, next year, what I might do is bring someone along and try and time them, get them into a good pace, uh, and be, be, be a bit of a trainer, almost, uh, after succeeding. For me personally, yeah, it would be amazing to get a sub 310, 3.15 maybe one day, but I don't see that in my immediate future. I, I might do that later, in my 30s maybe, but for now... I've achieved what I needed to achieve, and I'll be looking to the bigger goals of London, Berlin, New York City. Those will be my goals, uh, and I will also be looking at the half marathon that I will be taking uh, place in in Manchester at the end of May. So I'm looking forward to that as well. Uh, see how fast I can run a half marathon. I feel like I've trained enough uh, for half marathons over the years, running like one every other weekend for like <laughs> two, three years now. So so it's exciting to take part. I just, yeah, amazing, amazing, it's an amazing feeling to talk about it, it's amazing, I could go on for this forever, but for you, the listener, the viewer, I'm not going to, uh, I hope I've given you a little bit of an understanding of what it takes, the preparation it takes, um, the nutrition, the sleep, the hydration, the mental fortitude that you need, and the preparation, remember, I've run for eight years eight years before I took part in my first proper marathon and to get that sub 330 it took everything it took all of my ability to get to that point I went to a chiropractor I got I did stretching I've done weightlifting I've done running and all in preparation for that and I want you to understand that Maybe no one sees this. Maybe no one even views this. It doesn't matter. It's out there. But you, if you're willing to put the time in, if you're willing to take the time, and if you want to achieve something like this, you can. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. Because there will always be negative people out there trying to drag you down with them. You must lead the people forward. You must lead and show a positive example such a big believer in that. I will always be a believer in that because we live in times where mediocrity is often rewarded. In a society where mediocrity is too often the standard and too often rewarded, there's intense fascination with men who detest mediocrity. And so, leaving you on this positive note of achieving the Brighton Marathon in three hours and 27 minutes. This has been a Taylor's Tales podcast. This has been Chris's Corner. I've been your host, Chris Taylor. And as always, I hope to see you this time next week. Bye now. So if you ever have a hard time out there, tape yourself. Listen to what kind of bitch you're being.